Baptist Church, Charlotte. If you have your Bible in front of you or on your phone, I encourage you to kind of turn there. And while we're sharing, while we're discussing, it's a textual textual Bible study tonight. So we're going to jump around to lots of lots of scripture, and that's different from a a topical Bible study. If you know anything about uh, how sermons are prepared. Um, you take a text and you, you you go through the text and hear what the text says and you build a communication around that. So we're going to do a little bit of that tonight from the book of Matthew, chapter number five. We're reading verses 14 through 16. This, this is perhaps the most famous teaching of Jesus in the Bible. It's often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And here we have Jesus saying to his disciples, beginning at verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand so that it can give light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven, so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light so shine. And my subject tonight is you are salt and light. You are salt and light. This, this particular Bible study is the most important um, about influence, addresses the most important, uh, maybe not weapon that the Christian has, but the most important character that the Christian will display in this world. Above all, one of our main weapons against the plan of the enemy is our influence, is our influence. You just heard uh, Jasmine's testimony about how the Lord filled her with the Holy Spirit. And Jasmine's been coming on strong, man, since we first started uh, talking to her about uh, the Lord and um, did a little Bible study with her on the phone. And I can hear the influence in her life. And then she came to church ready to be baptized. She was like, let's do this. I was so excited for her. So uh, we, we, we have... Uh, when we share what the Lord has done for us, this notion of influence that um, help us to uh, communicate, help us to to fulfill the Lord's command in our lives when he says, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. In Matthew 5, <clears throat> excuse me. Once you get past the first couple of verses, uh, which we call the Beatitudes, specifically addressing how we are to be, our attitudes, right? The Beatitudes. Once you get past uh, the, mo the, the Beatitudes, um, you get to this discussion of you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. In fact, let me give you a little bit of a refresher on the Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew writes that Jesus says this in verse 5. He says, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive or obtain mercy. Amen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Anybody out there peacemakers? Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others will revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, Jesus says, he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for your reward is great in heaven. You know why? For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, so I, I say to you, just in this text, you know, if you are poor in spirit, if you're mourning, if you are hungry and thirsty after righteousness, if you're merciful, if you're pure in heart, if you're a peacemaker, if you're being persecuted for righteousness sake, amen. The Lord said that you are blessed. You are blessed. I'm going to do a little bit more on that later, but let me move on on this lesson. I think that that lesson that Jesus taught is so powerful. And we, we read over it because we know most of it by heart, but there's so much really, so much really good teaching there. All right. So immediately after Jesus tells his disciples how they are to behave, right? Merciful, right? Um, he wants you to be a peacemaker. He wants you to be pure in heart. He wants you to be merciful, right? Immediately after telling his disciples how he wants them to behave and how he wants them to act and how he wants them to carry themselves, he then immediately began to tell them who they are now that they are in the kingdom of God, now that they have responded to the call of God on their lives. He says this in verse 13, as we read before, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, its savoriness, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. And then he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hidden. All right, so let me let me begin by saying it took me some time before I truly understood how important salt is, right? Uh, until I stopped eating so much of it. Uh, as some of you may know, um, I was diagnosed um, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago with adult onset high blood pressure. I was hypertensive, uh, discovered in my 50s. Uh, I was eating too much salt and my blood pressure started going up. Maybe it was the Jamaican food, you know what I mean? And uh, so if you're, if, you're, if you're into salt, by the way, let me just give you an encouragement. Don't eat too much of it, right? Um, 
my doctors was like, that's enough, sir. You need to cut that out because your blood pressure is a little bit too high. And, uh, and I carry all of my stress up here. So with stress and with the sodium intake, it was not doing me any good. So Jesus was careful when he used salt, which I think is the perfect metaphor and light um, to explain to us or to share with us how we are as Christians now that we've come into the kingdom of God. All right. So salt is a versatile uh, substance. Uh, a lot of um, salt is in the world. If you go to the beach, open your mouth jump in the water, you will taste salt. Um, salt is a versatile preservative. Before the invention of the icebox, that's what the refrigerator used to be called, and later on the refrigerator and freezer, uh, salt was used to preserve meats and other food items, which was obviously uh, critical for our modernization and our domestication. Our grandparents, great-grandparents used salt because they didn't have a refrigerator. When I grew up in Jamaica, uh, we didn't have a refrigerator initially. Eventually we got one, um, but we didn't have one initially. The fish that we caught uh, in, the, in the ocean, um, in order to prevent it from spoiling, if you didn't eat it right away, uh, well, those of you who don't know, if you keep fish um, for too long without preserving it, it starts to smell, right? So you had to somehow prevent that from spoiling, from rotting, and salt was used to preserve uh, the fish from spoiling. Also, meat, if you slaughter an animal, uh, whether it's a goat or a pig or a cow or whatever else, um, salt can be used to delay uh, the process of uh, rotting or spoiling. Number two, historically, salt was also used as medicine. Sea salt, in particular, is a natural antiseptic and an anti-inflammatory um, that for thousands and thousands of years have been used to cleanse wounds during battle, right? That's because, uh, if you ever heard the, the phrase, uh, throwing salt on a wound, yeah, uh, that is because that is what people actually did to clean out infected wounds and scrapes. A little, sprinkle a little salt on it and it would do a job of cleansing um, that wound. And so, yes, salt is also used as a primary seasoning for our food to give it to give it a taste. As our text says, if, if the salt has lost its taste, its savoriness, uh, how, how, where will it be salted or where will it taste good? How is it going to taste good? So it, Jesus implies this, this tremendous contrast between us, God's people, and the world, uh, which is sick, right? The world is decaying. Uh, the world is bland. You see where I'm going with this? And, 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 and God says, you have been called to take a sick world 
and give it medicine. You are the salt of the earth. Come on, and and a decaying world, and put some put some salt in it, and and clean out the mess. Right, and finally, uh, you are in fact going to make this bland world taste better. You are a preservative and a seasoning. Salt works because it's different from that to which it is applied. It is of necessity that it is different because uh, it is applied specifically to change the nature of the thing to which it is applied. If you if you if you um, uh, remove salt from your cooking, and you can, because uh, we we hardly ever cook with salt anymore, and we certainly don't add it as a topical um, anymore either, because most food already have enough salt in it, right? So if you if you go out uh, at a restaurant, for, for, for example, and you order a meal and you say, please hold the sodium, hold the salt, uh, they won't, they may not add any additional sodium, but trust me, when it comes to your table, it's already got salt in it and you can taste it. I encourage you to do that. L- lower the amount of sodium in your diet for your health's sake. <laughs> All right. So whatever Jesus was talking to them, he, he, he wanted to make sure that they knew their role in society has changed. You are the salt of the earth. You have a purpose, right? You have a purpose to bring um, medicine to the sick. You have a purpose to bring um, savoriness a taste to this world, right? You have a you have a purpose to prevent this world from decaying and rotting, and that is our role as Christians. When you have been changed by the Holy Ghost, thank you, Lord. You now are not just a bench warmer in church. You have a role to play. You have a role to play. Now, let's look at the idea of God's people being light in the world. Before we go too much deeper, um, I want you to know uh, or understand Jesus's view of of you, God's people. He he views you differently uh, than most of us view ourselves. Unless you see yourself and others as Jesus sees you and what he says about you, and your life of faith, it'll be difficult to understand a lot of the biblical principles God was sharing with his disciples at the time. This phrase, you are the light of the world, implies something about the world, doesn't it? That the world is dark. Come on, somebody. Right? Just as in his statement about salt, Jesus implies something very specific about the world. That is, it is living in absolute darkness. Let that sink in for a minute. And then Jesus uses the image of darkness to describe the condition of the world. In Luke 179, we read that we are to, quote, give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And light is used to guide our feet into the way of peace, end quote. John 1, 5 says, uh, or John says about Jesus when he came, he says, and the light shine in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. 
Next, Acts 26, 17 says, quote, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now will send you, right, speaking to Paul, to open their eyes in order for them to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus is breaking it down. In Romans 13, verse 11, Paul says to the church in Rome, quote, and do this, knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believe. Verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We are light. We are salt. And verse 13, he says, let us walk properly as in the day, not revelry and not like in revelry and drunkenness. You can't really see not in the lewdness and lust of your flesh, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Next verse, Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says further, we, we, we can see in this text uh, alone that darkness describes that which Jesus came to overcome. Right? And he's using us to assist him in overcoming that. So not only are you salt, you are light to overcome the darkness of this world. John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 12, 35. Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. In other words, I'm going to be with you a little while longer. While you, are, while you have me, while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. But while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons and daughters of the light. These things Jesus spoke and then he departed and was hidden from them. John 12, 46. Uh, then cried Jesus. He said, he who believes in me, believe not in me, but in him who sent me. Verse 45. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. Verse 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Second Corinthians 4, 6, for it is the God, for it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.13. Yes, I'm giving you lots of scriptures. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. 
but concerning the times and the seasons. Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, Paul says to the church in, Thess uh, in Thessalonica. You, for you yourselves know perfectly, he writes, that the day of the Lord so come comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pain upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape it. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So you see how Jesus is 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 working uh, his is is teaching into his his disciples little by little is working it into them. And even more explicitly, the Apostle Paul explains how this darkness affects us. He says in Ephesians 4, 17, it is the mind of man that is darkened and thus produces a dark world. Man hardens his heart against God. Man chooses his own way and thus becomes ignorant of God and of God's way of living. Eventually, man becomes past feeling. And when that happens, his life can be taken over by sin. That was the condition of the world when the Lord rolled up on Noah's day. You remember Noah? Jesus referring back to Noah's day, he, he says um, in Matthew 24, 37, but as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of, son of man be. For as in the days that was before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So, so also will this, the coming of the son of man be. In other words, it's gonna be sudden. Again, when Jesus came the first time, the condition was similarly dark. So much so, if you read in Matthew 23, the, the chapter before, I, before that I just read, the Bible says that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you as children as a hen gather her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to be desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we can definitely see that is what's happening right now, even in the world today, that is becoming quite desolate it's becoming void of the things of god oh my goodness my wife and i lament over turning on television now you can't turn on television now and not be repulsed by what society is promoting right a kind of lifestyle uh, a kind of permissiveness a kind of sinful life that is is not supported by 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 the lord and by the, the word of god so you are the light of the world. Uh, this also implies that, uh, watch this. It also implies that we are the hope for the world, right? Uh, since I've just described how dark things are. If we are the light of the world, we therefore are the hope 
for the world. It is God's people who are the source of hope to a dark world that Jesus had in mind when he made this statement. You know what I mean? Um, if you if you work in an environment or if you the, the, your, your, the condition of your, your neighborhood or your block or wherever, and you're the only Christian there, number one, people should know that you are a child of God, that you are a Christian, that you are attempting to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, that you are a Jesus follower. You shouldn't hide it. I should hear at least one amen. You shouldn't hide it. Because think about light. What does light do? Light eliminates darkness. When you enter a dark room and you turn on the light, notice what happens. It doesn't even have to take a strong light, really. Any amount of light will completely extinguish the darkness that's around it. So light exposes the darkness and anything which hides in the dark, right? That's us. We are here to shine the light of Jesus Christ in this dark world. Come on now. Ephesians 5 and 13, Paul writes, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them with your light. Expose it with your light. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by those in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. And therefore he says, awake, you who are sleeping, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Christ will give you light. I know this is resonating with, with, with Jasmine because she and I had a conversation about this, right? I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them with your light. Expose it with your light. John 3, 20 tells us this. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Expose the causes of darkness, of evil that are around you. Don't be afraid to say, I mean, don't embarrass anyone and don't, don't make a scene. But let your light shine, Jesus says, before men that they might see your good works, glorify your God, which is in heaven. It is, it is, it is the light that is going to shine through you. Sometimes you don't even have to tell anybody you're a child of God. They will see it. They will feel it. They will know that you have been with the Lord. And they will say, hey, what's going on with you, man? There's something different about you. I don't know if you've had anybody say that about you. There's something different about you. You know, you don't lie, steal, cheat, cuss, carry on. You know, what's going on with you? And that's beautiful because then now you have an opportunity to share with them your testimony. You could say, hey, listen, man, I wasn't always like this. One day I met Jesus. One day the Lord spoke into my heart and came into my life and literally from that day till now he's been chipping away the world off of me and i'm being transformed into the image of jesus christ little by little little by little 
So he says, when we shine as a light, we will expose the darkness and it will be seen for what it truly is. Evil flees from the light by one, disregarding it or trying to discredit it. Two, by speaking evil of it, saying it is unloving, etc. And light shows the way out of darkness. If you've ever been in darkness where there's no light and discovered that you had your phone in your pocket and you turned on the, uh, the flash, the, the, the light there, and all of a sudden you can see, it makes a tremendous amount of difference. And so it is with the person in darkness. Let me change the word. The person that's in sin, the person that's not walking towards Jesus. Your light should show them the way to Jesus, to the light. A person in darkness needs someone to point them in the right direction. Hey, Jesus is over there. You know what I mean? This is important because if you don't know why you've been called, you've been called to be an ambassador. You've been called to be a witness of the light that is in you. We function as light when the words and actions of our lives show forth the light of God. Then we can lead others to him. We can lead others out of darkness. Two statements demonstrate that light is intended to illuminate, right? You can, you can hide a city or you can shine light on it. Because in the darkness of night, you, you can see the lights of a city far away. If you've ever been in an airplane, look through the window. If there's any life in that city, you'll see flickers of light. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is why Jesus uses this metaphor. We too are like a city set on a hill to show others the way out of darkness. Similarly, no one lights a lamp or a candle and then cover it up, put it under the table, put it under the bed. Instead, you set it high in the room so you can do your best work, illuminate the way in dark places. Right. That's why the fireman has a, a, a big old flashlight when, when, when fire erupts in a home or a building. Uh, more than likely, one of the things that goes is, is the lighting. And so if a fireman is digging through and going into this house, that has been burned. One of his key tools is a flashlight because he has to be able to navigate. And if he's ever going to help someone, he's going to have to be able to see where he's going. So first, our own lives must be illuminated by God's light, who is Jesus Christ. You must embrace the gospel of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And live it out so that others can see your works and your deeds. That's what Jesus meant when he says, let your light so shine. We must live as people who are in the light of God. And if we are indeed the people of God, we ought to live as Jesus lived because he's our example. So we must watch this, love one another, even love your enemies. I know that's tough. You gotta love them. Now you don't have to move them into your home, all right? But Jesus said you should love your enemies. You've gotta forgive, forgive, and forgive some more. Obviously, don't lie, steal, cheat, defraud, bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't murder anyone. 
and don't allow lust to be conceived in your mind. And what I mean by that is you're going to you're going to you're going to lust a little bit from time to time. Meaning you're going to be attracted to the opposite sex or whatever you lust for. Um, but you don't have to let that lust be conceived in your mind. My pastor, former pastor, used to always say, you can't, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair, or in this case, in your wig, uh, or on top of your head if, you, if you're me, right? Um, that is allowing it to be conceived in your heart. You can see the thing and you can walk past fast and say, all right, that's not for me. All right. Or I'm not going to dwell on it. That's that's a better way of putting it. I'm not going to dwell on it. Right. So so we are called to be change agents, change agents in the world that we are placed. Ephesians five says, for you were once in darkness. Now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. First John one seven says, but. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And I'm wrapping up here now. Light, light can only do one thing. It can only shine. Matthew 5.16 tells us this. I mentioned this before. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, the purpose of shining as, as the light of the world is twofold. One, so that others will see your good works and, and talk about Jesus. Oh my goodness. That's such, that person right there is, is so well behaved. I, I never hear, hear any curse words coming out of their mouth. They, they, they say what they mean and they mean what they say and whatever they promise they, they they're going to do. So that's the first reason. Others will see that you've been transformed and changed by God. And number two, they will use your good works and talk about God in a good way. They will glorify God in heaven. The intent seemed to be that those others will also receive your light. And ultimately, God will transform them as well and they will become lights themselves. And so the transformation continues. The gospel is spread throughout the world for a witness, Jesus says. The challenge Jesus presents with this statement is great because it summarizes all that God is and is doing in the world. First John 1, 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all john 8 12 quote then jesus spoke to them again saying i am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but will have the light of life matthew 5 14 quote you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden you, me, and everyone who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, we are the lights in this world. Yes, that means you. You're accountable to Jesus about what you do, or what you say, or you go. Uh, and yes, the kind of folks you hang out with. If they are no good for you, you need to drop them. 
I'm not saying, you know, don't be friends or don't talk with them. But if they are a negative influence and they're not going the same direction you are going, it's going to cause friction in your walk with God. Sometimes it's better to just let that go. You understand what I'm saying? I, I really, I'm not saying to like <clears throat> unplug from all of your ungodly friends because that would be stupid, right? How are you going to influence them if you unplug from them? You need to be a light to them. But instead of them influencing you, you need to influence them. Amen? Philippians 2.14 tells us this, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom, among whom, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I offer this challenge to you. Will you accept the challenge of being a light in your world? Will you accept the challenge of, of displaying Godly character, Christ-like uh, behavior? Will you accept that challenge? I, I, I give you that challenge of being a light in your world so that others will see God in you. Hallelujah. They will see God in you and they will glorify God in heaven. They will say, man, I, I don't know about you, but but have, have you run into someone that you knew before you became a Christian? <laughs> right. It was the old you and, and the new you. And they, they, they say, man, you are a different dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. They see the change. They'd be like, yo, there's something about you, man, <laughs> that is very different. What is it? And that gives you the chance. That gives you the chance to say, it is Jesus. Hallelujah. It is Jesus who has changed me forever. I am not the same. I will never be that person again. And let me tell you why. And you get a chance to share your testimony. That's what Jesus is doing with us. I encourage you to embrace that. I really do. I, I encourage you to um, let God let God make you over. Yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit of God and let Him let Him knead you over and and transform you into a children a child of light, uh, so that others will see the change in you and they will testify. They will say, yo man, that dude, totally different, totally different. And they will glorify God. Maybe not before you, after a while, they'll be like, yo, that Dixon dude, completely different, man. He used to be wild and crazy. And now look at him. Amen. Amen. And that is a good word for you, meaning that heaven is noticing the change, that somehow you are shining your light in dark places and it is being observed don't be ashamed don't be ashamed of that in fact paul tells us don't be ashamed of the gospel of christ it is the power of god unto salvation to those that believe uh it is it is god that's doing the work it's not you it's god that's little by little transforming you little by little transforming you so that you can shine your light into dark places and so that those who are without him can see the light of day. They can see where they're going. Finally, finally, they can see where they're going. Amen. I'm going to stop there. Um,
if the Lord's ministering to you right now and you feel the change, you feel convicted even, you feel blessed and encouraged because you 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 were there, you you were in a place that um you needed to to get away from and somehow God has touched you and is gradually pulling you away from that. I want you to talk about it. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.